Welcome back, everyone, to the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. And this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, which is part of a series I do titled Motivation Monday, where I talk about various topics to get you pumped up and excited for the week, I want to go ahead and reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts, and most importantly, share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it. Now, on to today's episode, which is part of a series I do titled Motivation Monday. With that said, it's going to be a bit different than most episodes as I'm going to be reposting a podcast that I was a guest on titled Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. And the episode title is Selling in the C-Suite. On this episode, I am a guest and I talk about how to build relationships with C-Suite executives, how to set meetings with C-Suite executives, how to sell to C-Suite executives, and most importantly, how to make more money. So if you're someone who does not care about making more money, or doesn't want to be successful, then I would suggest you turn this episode off right now. But if you do want to learn how to make more money, you do want to learn how to build some strong relationships with C-suite executives, then I would suggest you continue listening. Welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. How many of you have ever said, Selling in the C-suite is hard. How many of you ever thought, I can't crack that barrier to get to the C-suite? Today's guest is an expert in that area. We're going to talk about it. Be sure to listen to the full episode because you are going to want to hear the goods we got today. Chris Chapman is an executive director at Capital Analytics. He's also the founder and a podcast host of an award-winning uh show next level minds been broadcast in over 45 countries been running for three years solid so this guy definitely knows his stuff i'm super excited to find out what has made chris successful in the next level minds podcast and i know you my audience you're excited to find out how chris excels selling in the c-suite chris welcome to the show yeah anthony thank you so much for that uh powerful introduction and of course really appreciate you having me on your uh your show as well i'm really looking forward to it 
Absolutely, man. Glad to have you here. Let's dive into this. So you're specializing. I mean, we, we, we have two two lanes I want to talk with you about today. I definitely want to talk about next level minds. I want to talk about the mindset. And I know I know the catapult commissions family loves hearing that. But I also know there is a group of listeners that either is struggling to sell in the C-suite or is aspiring to sell in the C-suite. So so let's let's run down that C-suite venture before we go all on the skills. Give us a little background on your sales background, business background, a little insight to to the Catapult to Commissions family and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've always loved sales ever since I was 12, 13 years old. I would go door to door asking people if I could, you know, do yard work around their house, do random household chores. So that really taught me how to sell yourself because I was in a, at an early age going door to door, figuring out what value I could add in exchange for money, of course. Um, so I, I learned those lessons at an early age. Um, I grew up, you know, in kind of just a typical middle class family, roof over the head, food on the table, never had to worry about that. But we never went on any trips. You know, I paid for my first car, paid for most of my college. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, so I've always had that kind of hustle mentality of, hey, if you actually want to get something, you got to take ownership and put in the work to do it yourself. Um, and so that's really translated to where I'm at now. Um, you know, when I graduated college, my first role was in IT staffing and consulting. My role was to build relationships with IT managers, VPs of technology, CTOs, um, and try to essentially convince them to use our uh, managed IT services and staffing resources. So I was, you know, 21, 22 years old at the time, taking people out to lunch, to dinner, to golf, to happy hours. And that taught me a lot about how to build relationships with professionals within that space. Uh, and then did that for about a year and transitioned to where I'm at now, working as an executive director with Capital Analytics. And what we do is we create annual business publications. Um, so think about Forbes magazine, essentially, but in, instead, they're actually based on individual cities. So we do these in you know Charlotte, Atlanta, Miami, Nashville, a few other cities as well. Uh, and I cover our Charlotte, Atlanta, and Raleigh-Durham region. And basically what we do is we interview about 250 to 300 CEOs on why companies should do business within those cities that we cover. Uh, And then my role is really to handle the project from start to finish. But my role is also to sell uh, digital ads, print ads, podcast ads, uh, event sponsorships directly to these CEOs that we're actually interviewing for this publication. Um, and so there's a lot, I'm sure we're, we're going to unpack there, but, but that's a little bit about me. Always love sales, always love business. Um, and I've always learned uh, on the podcast side of things, I've always loved learning. So I've always loved talking with successful folks on how they've built their business, their brand, their career. And at the same time, I've always loved impacting others, which is why I also do the podcast, uh, and the coaching side of things, next level minds outside of all this. All right. Fair enough, man. I, in what you sell in that C-suite, are you selling, getting the interview? Are you selling, getting the ads? I mean, I feel like there's two sales unwrapped in there. Yeah, no, it's, it's essentially like a a standard cold call. Hey, you know, my name's Chris Chapman. I'm with Capital Analytics. We build business reports. Uh, I want to take the time to line up an interview with you. Here's the reason why I don't do the interview. We have um, an editorial journalism staff who actually does that. Um, but then I come back in after the interview and look at the interview with them, make sure everything's good to go. And then if there's a fit, I sell them on the advertisement side. So if I interviewed your company and you talked about how you're expanding to this place, you just started this service line, 
I would come back and say, hey, listen, you mentioned you're doing this, that, and the other. There's some excellent ways that you could highlight that outside of the interview through an advertisement side of things. And then, so yeah, it is two parts to it. It's that initial cold call, which that's standard cold calling, getting, you know, warm introductions. Um, I, I go to, now that we're back in person for some things, I go to a lot of events and networking things, try to, try to shake hands and, and, and essentially meet leads and stuff. So yeah, there definitely is two parts to what we're doing here. Okay. So in, in acquiring that first initial interaction, right? So I'm coming, I'm getting the, getting the interview and you're cold calling. Let's, let's be honest here. You don't have direct access to some of your customers right away. Right. So how many touch points are you saying you're making before you get to that person? Well, here's where I like used to make a big mistake when I first started doing this. Um, I've been doing this for about three years now. And the first thing I did this is the first time I've called directly to C-suite. And of course, there's executive assistants, administrative support staff. And I would treat those people like my enemy. I would say, you know, like, let me talk to the CEO. Let me talk to the COO, CFO, whatever the case is, who we're really trying to speak with. And then about a year later, I realized that those people can be your best friends and those people can really be a strong advocate for you because they work with this CEO. I mean, they'd probably talk to them five, six, seven times a day. At least they know their family. The CEO knows the executive administrator's family. And so for me, trying to actually build on that relationship too has helped a lot. But there are multiple touch points. I think, you know, for some smaller companies, right, I'd say, you know, maybe 50 and less. It's you know, direct contact to the CEO. Sometimes if you call, you know, before 8.30 or after 5.30, you bypass that administrator or you bypass that, you know, dial by name. Sometimes they actually straight pick up the phone. But I think if you're going past, you know, 50 employees, then it's usually a dial by name, which then gets you on the phone with the admin or gets you on the phone with, in this case, it would, could be public relations because it's an interview. Um, so I'd say touch point wise, maybe four or five before you're actually having that, you know, first conversation with the CEO. Okay. Now are, are these all traditional phone calls? Do you ever do stop buys? Do you ever do like the old school door to door knocking of business cold calling? Yeah. So <clears throat> pre COVID we used to do all the interviews in person. So, I mean, we would okay. go to every single office. We would record them essentially on zoom. The editorial team would be on um, zoom down our headquarters in Miami uh, except I would be in person, you know, shaking hands, introducing the company. Yep. Uh, and I do, would do a lot of drop-bys. Like if someone never picked up the phone or I could, you know, you know, of course, everyone listening, there's those accounts where no one's picking up, no one's emailing you back. You're honestly thinking, is this company even real? Because no one's gotten back to you. There's numerous companies that I had to deal with like that. And I would drop by and that's where confidence comes in because most of the meetings that I could never get on the phone or the email or all these other methods, I dropped by and actually ended up getting in contact with the right person. And now those same companies that were virtually impossible to meet with from that old school method of calling or emailing, those are actually now some of our biggest customers. And it's usually the toughest companies to reach are usually the best uh, clients of yours because they have a lot of money to spend on your service or your product, but they're very protective because they also get a lot of calls and emails. So I like that method. And if anybody's doing that, what I would suggest, what I would suggest is just going in extremely confident. I mean, I would go in and say, Hey, you know, I have a meeting with, let's just use John Smith, for example, I have a meeting with John Smith. And then they would ask, you know, what time? And sometimes I'd be, Oh, sorry, I mixed up the calendars. It's actually in a couple of weeks from now. Well, now that I'm here, I'd love to chat for, you know, one couple minutes here. 
Um, and sometimes they'll say, Hey, no, I'll tell them you stopped by. And what we would do is give them a business card and maybe a copy of another magazine from another market that we're in or a previous edition from one of the markets we're in. And that's helped. Um, but a lot of times, again, depending on the size of the company, if you can go in with confidence, but also, Hey, I really want to meet with so-and-so and be extremely nice and kind. Sometimes the CEO will come out and actually talk to you. And then all you need is 30 seconds or less. And then boom, you can actually get in the door. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the 30 seconds or less being nice to somebody. It sounds like to me in what you're doing, you, you have to be incredibly skilled at building that initial relationship, right? I mean, we've, we've, we've all heard it for years, right? Build rapport, build rapport, build rapport. But I mean, your, your building rapport is incredibly fast. I mean, it is like either you like me, you don't like me, you're going to work with me. Uh, can, can you share any insights on that? I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do you excel in this initial relationship? Cause you're, you're in a unique space where your business and, and your sales process still is heavily on outbound cold calling, right? Yeah. Which I, I, one, I love, I feel like a dinosaur when I say this because that's how I was raised, right? I get a lot of people on the show that have these massively large six, seven figure funnels with marketing and pixels and getting all of that. And you're saying like, Hey, no, man, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call you. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to do business in a different skill set, right? Cause I'm going to piss some people off. Truly believe internet marketers and outside salespeople both have the same objectives, different skill sets. So, um, yeah, man, let's talk about this. How are you building this rapport at such a high level so fast? Yeah, on the phone, I think it's it's uh, that preliminary research, right? Researching where they went to school before you even call, you know, their LinkedIn, where they went to school, where they worked at before, looking at some mutual connections, having a list of name drops. So if I'm calling on, uh, if I'm trying to build out our banking chapter for the publication, we interview 200 CEOs across 10 different industries. If I'm trying to build out our banking chapter, I have a list of five other banks that we've met. And what you'll notice is if you're calling on multiple sectors, a lot of the uh, a lot of the folks in banking all hang out with each other. A lot of the folks in healthcare all hang out with each other. For example, I run a podcast and I do coaching on the side. I have a strong network of other podcast hosts and other coaches. I'm in sales. I have a strong network of people who are also in sales. Same thing when you're calling on these on these uh, potential customers and prospects here. I have that list. So it's picking up the phone and really just that first 10 seconds. Hey, my name's Chris Chapman. Here's why I'm calling and going right into it. And then you, and if there's some skepticism, say, Oh, you know, we actually just met with name dot, name drop, name drop. Wanted to also make sure you were included. And then again, that, you know, fear of missing out factor. I always say, just want to make sure that you don't miss out on this opportunity as well. Uh, and that really helps a lot. Um, and a lot of people try to build rapport um, right when they person right when the person answers, which that method does work. But for me, I like to get the point across first in thirty seconds, and then after they've realized why the heck I'm calling them, then I'm like, okay, we figured out why I'm calling. We we got a meeting. Now I'm going to spend you know thirty seconds kind of building some rapport, and so that way when we actually meet, it's hey, last time we talked on the phone on Thursday, you said you were playing doubles tennis with a friend like how how did that go and that instantly gives you something else to build up in the next meet you know i i i like where you're going with that i would even i would argue that the sales rep that tries to build rapport immediately without clearly defining why i'm interacting 
gets met with resistance. Yeah. And, and the, the moment resistance comes into the sales process, I think you find yourself, uh, you know, you have a new battle to overcome. Not only are you trying to sell something, now you're just trying to sell this person the fact, hey, I'm I'm human. I'm a normal person. Like, just talk with me. Um, so I've I've observed and and have coached salespeople where you know they they'll they'll send me the recording of their Zoom sales call, and I'm like, you know, you're you're so focused on trying to build this rapport and be this overly likable person. Well, this person's still like, why in the hell am I even on this call? Why in the hell am I even listening to you? So I like what you said there. You get the point, and then you develop that relationship. Um, and, and are, how are you, I mean, let's just keep it simple, simple, keep it simple here. How are you tracking what people are telling you? I mean, because you just said in the same scenario, oh, hey, you played doubles tennis last week. How did it go? I have, I'm not even going to give my thoughts on it. How do you keep track of all the stuff people are telling you? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the CRM software. And I think a CRM software is only as good as you actually make it to be. It, it really can be your second brain if you actually put in the notes like you should. Um, and every sales rep struggles with that. I mean, the CRM is like your death child sometimes because it's just so annoying to put in notes. But trust me, I mean, after every call, I'm making a quick note um, and saying, you know, spoke with John, likes tennis, bring that up on next meeting. Um, or what I'll do if you, if you want to bypass that way is I, of course, you're going to send a calendar invite to the person you're meeting with, but I also send myself a calendar invite. And then in that description, I'll put five or six rapport notes in there. Uh, and so that if I'm walking into the meeting, I just have to click on the invite that I sent myself, read the description. All right, tennis. All right, from here, went to this school and then instantly having that touch point. Some of the best advice I got first newer or just even existing sales reps was the best sales reps out there know a little bit about a lot of shit. Um, you know, for instance, I don't play baseball, but I can talk baseball. I play golf. I can talk golf. Um, I don't like jazz music, but I can talk jazz music. You know, I know a little bit about a lot so that I can connect with every single type of person, but it also helps in your territory. For instance, I do Atlanta, Charlotte, and Raleigh. Everyone in the Southeast personally loves college football. Uh, and so that's just an automatic kind of thing that you can bring up. So I think wherever your region is, maybe kind of figure out what the thing is there. You mentioned you're in California. So whatever your segment is in your territory, or if you're in Texas or the Midwest, figure out kind of that common ground that majority of everyone who lives there has, and then try to bring that up as a touch point. Um, and then the last thing here is the the best way that I think you can build rapport extremely quickly, even if you don't do the notes, is just simply asking the question, hey, Anthony, what have been some highlights of your week? And that question opens up the door to so much. You can learn what they're passionate about, what they like to do. So a lot of people say, I went to dinner with my family. I mean, instantly, that question can help you build rapport so fast without even having to have any like notes from a previous call or yeah, that that seems like a, a fairly fairly simple simple talk track. So simple, I know that there's people who don't execute it. So that's how I I know that. And then too, I love I love the geographical relationship, right? I mean, I imagine your definition of USC is University of South Carolina, and yeah. my definition of USC is University of Southern California. Uh, a good colleague and friend of mine played football at University of South Carolina, and we've we've had this debate for years. But anyhow. Totally get where you're going with that, man. So I love it. You 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 find this intimate relationship. You find this intimate collection. Catapult to commissions family. If you're not picking up what Chris is dropping here, let me be crystal clear. Your connection with your prospect 
if you can't tell by Chris, it's incredibly authentic. Like it's just an authentic connection. It's not self-serving. It's not misleading. It's not, oh, sleazy sales bullshit. It's 100% an authentic approach to get to know your prospect because in Chris, you're selling to the C-suite. I'm, ass- I'm assuming you're seeing these people or talking to these people numerous times before you get to your end goal. That's correct. So, yeah. So with that being said, it pays dividends just to be authentic with every person you contact with. Uh, you know, in, in I had a long career uh, prior to catapulting commissions in medical devices. And I would tell people, like, the way I would treat the janitor is the same way I would treat the CEO. And you know what? It, it helped. It helped numerous times. Yeah. And I love that you brought up authentic real quick because that was my biggest struggle. I mean, the first year of doing this, I, I did okay, right? I got by, I reached quota barely, but I mean, it was scraping by versus now it's, it's completely new heights. And the reason is because I wasn't authentic. You know, I was 22, 23 years old meeting with CEOs that had 30, 40 plus years of experience. And so my mindset, which was completely wrong, was like, you know what? I need to kind of fake it till I make it and pretend to be somebody I'm not. I need to act far more professional. I need to be extremely buttoned up uh, versus my background is I grew up uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, I've been surfing since I was five years old. I was in a fraternity in college. I mean, my heart and soul is surfer fraternity, bro, if you peel back all the professionalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I was like, I'm not going to be any of that. Uh, I'm going to be this buttoned up corporate guy. And people saw right through that BS versus now I'm going into meetings. Of course, I'm not unprofessional, but I'm more relaxed. I'm actually being my true self, but putting in some professionalism there. And that's really opened up the door too. And you would be surprised the amount of C-suite executives who still love their drinks on the weekend, who still love going out with their friends who still love messing around and just like going on a week trip and doing nothing at the beach. It's like, it's not as buttoned up as you would think it sounds. And that took me too long to figure out. You are 100% correct. I love, I love that assessment, Chris, just being yourself. You're the best version of yourself. Like I can't be the best version of someone else, right? You're, you're a podcast host. I'm a podcast host. I can't be Joe Rogan. I can't be Mike Tyson. I can't be Gary Vee. I can only be me and I can be the authentic version of me. And if people like that, great. And if you don't, I'm okay with it. That same mentality in sales has to translate to you, Catapulting Commission's family. Just be yourself. All right. So we navigate, we get to the C-suite. Last question here in the C-suite before we we pivot here. Is there a different skill set? The sales skill set. So we got all the way to the prospect and we get to your C-suite. Are, is there a different skill set? I mean, you, you mentioned you started in you know entry-level sales. Like, what is the difference from selling to the CEO of a company to like just the average entry-level person or the, you know, the person who doesn't have all the authority or, or isn't the bigwig in the organization? I know a lot of B2B sales reps realize once they start calling on C-suite, they, they struggle. They, they have these mental blocks. They make these pivots. They change their style. Any, any thoughts on that? I don't think it's, it's different, man. I think uh, people are people. That's what you got to realize. Mm-hmm. Sales is, is building that relationship with a person, whether it's a uh, VP of a five-person company or a CEO of a thousand-person company. It's people are people. And the best salespeople out there, you hear this all the time, they know how to find the 
proper solutions to the problems that they have in place. And everyone likes talking about themselves and their problems, particularly from a business level. So the best salespeople, again, whether you're selling to small or big CEO, it's listening to them and taking the time to say, what are your problems? You know, what are some challenges you're facing? And then actually being able to articulate that value. And another struggle that I overcame was I would, you know, prep, uh, I mean, aggressively for big meetings. When I, 5,000 person company CEO, I would over prep first. And then I'd go into a meeting with a 50 person CEO and say, you know what? Like they're a 50 person company. I maybe just prep for a couple minutes and hope for the best. No, whether you're meeting with a 50 person or a 5,000, you need to still put the same amount of prep work in because that just shows a abundance of respect on your end of putting in that work. And I also think another thing that helps with C-suite, and again, don't fake it till you make it, but I think when it comes to the way you dress, um, again, don't fake it till you make it and dress as someone that's not you. But I do think if you want to be taken seriously, you need to dress like somebody that should be taken seriously. Um, and you don't have to buy you know, a custom Tom Ford suit, but go to uh, Men's Warehouse and make sure you get a tailored suit with a good fitting shirt. Make sure your shoes are good to go. I mean, you can actually look the part for a significant lower cost than all these custom Tom Ford stuff because your dress, the way you look, your appearance represents, whether you like it or not, people are judgmental and that you know, first two-second interaction of looking at you, seeing what you're wearing, how your clothes are fitting, People will, unfortunately, that's just human nature. People will judge you off that. And so you want to make sure that, again, you want to be taken seriously. You got to dress like somebody who should be taken seriously. But roundabout answer, everyone's the same. People are people. It's just building that relationship, making sure to prep, and then being able to really articulate how, uh, how your solution solves their problem. And the last thing I'll add is my question that I always end every sales pitch on is, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you love this, I'll send an agreement right now, or one being I'm going to close the computer and never talk to you again. Where do you fall on that scale? And that question has just opened up so many doors because everyone says like a five or six. And then you're kind of like, well, how could we get you to a 10? And that one question answers so many things for you. Oh, the budget. Oh, you actually, I need to get approval from marketing. Oh, actually, we're going to do this in Q3. So. One to 10, where do you lie? If it's not a 10, how can we get you to a 10? I love that, Chris. You're asking for instant feedback. A couple of things to peel back there. I love, uh, you know, dress to be taken seriously. I always tell myself, dress like my prospect is, dress like my customer is. Like, I I want to to sit how they're looking. Um, And then as you go and you you ask for that feedback, I mean, I I could unpack a whole nother 30-minute show in that question solely by itself. But what Chris is doing, he's asking for, he's, he's, welcoming the objection and if you are the salesperson that's not welcoming the objection you ask for your order you close the business and then you get objections at the end you still can salvage your sale but but by chris's method of saying hey a scale of one to ten like it's just a roundabout way of getting your prospect to give you instant feedback good or bad I want to hear it because I know what direction to push in. Oh man, I love that. That that's that's a valuable nugget, catapult to commissions family. If you try that on your next sales call, man, shoot me a DM. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. Let me know how it works. Reach out to Chris. Tell him, hey, I heard you on the catapult to commissions podcast. I tried it. This is what happened because I think that that is a valuable nugget for you to take. So speaking of speaking of valuable nuggets, let's you know, have a few minutes here left. 
Chris, you've been running a podcast, Next Level Minds podcast, top ranked business podcast, been listened to in over 45 countries, man. That's that's a massive reach. So one, congratulations to that. I, I know as a podcast host, it takes a lot to get a show running. But what I'm most impressed is it takes a lot to get a show running consistently. Mm. Um, I've uh, I've had numerous people that have you know launched podcasts, reached out for me to be a guest on their podcast. And I'm always open to, to support Podcast Swap and, and help the community. But then I see people's shows disappear after 10, 20, 30 episodes, three months. And, and it's just like, man, uh, you know, this is the, the, the art of podcasting is a long ball game. So congratulations on that. Let's talk a little bit. So what is the Next Level Minds podcast? Who are you talking to there? If my audience goes and listens to it, what are they going to hear? Yeah. Yeah. No, appreciate you bringing it up and everything. And uh, yeah, for anyone that has a podcast or starting one, man, consistency is the name of the game. I don't care how many listeners you have. You have to release when you say you're going to release. For me, it's every other Monday is with a guest. And then every third Monday is an episode by myself called Motivation Monday, where I talk about topics, anything related to personal development, goal setting, personal finance, habits, all that. Um, And all the listeners can expect every other Monday, it's a guest. Every third Monday, it is a solo episode. But yeah, the Next Level Minds podcast is a podcast where I speak with founders, business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, athletes on, hey, how did you build your business from point A to point B? What failures did you experience? What adversities did you overcome? And the reason being is because I think younger individuals, you know, let's just call it 35 and below, I think you look at successful folks and I still I still do this and no one really broadcast, you know, their how they got to where they are now. Everyone just broadcast their end destination but no one really broadcasts you know, what it really took to get there. So on the Next Level Minds podcast, I'm walking through with these founders. You know, what were you, a lot of my listeners are 25, 30 years old. You know, what were you doing at 25? What habits did you have in place? What failures did you experience? I know you didn't just end up with four businesses and three successful exits. So what was that like? Um, and the reason I started that, I think I alluded to this earlier. I've always, I've always loved hearing stories about success. You know, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. My parents are very social, so they would have friends over all the time. And instead of just sitting in the back playing Xbox or something, I would just literally be out there like, hey, what do you do for work? Do you have a business? How does this work? And then I've always loved sharing advice with people. And I, when I first got to Charlotte, I was like, you know, I'm not as well-versed in business as I should be to be able to give people advice or coach others. I love hearing stories. Let me combine those two passions into one thing, being the Next Level Minds podcast. Mm, I love it. I love it. You know, it goes to show, right? Tony Robbins has the old old quote, everyone's saying, right? Success leaves clues. You're just saying, hey, I'm going to bring some people that are incredibly successful. And you know what? I'm going to make you give me the clues. We're just going to unpack this. We're going to unravel this. We're going to break down information and learn. Uh, that that alone is incredibly, incredibly in, insightful. and. I think, not even I think, I know the Catapulti Commission's family will find value in that. Is there any successful habits or any successful nuggets of wisdom you want to share that have come from your time running the show that you think are relevant to the audience today? So as in success habits or habits related to hosting a podcast? Success habits. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think um, I think from the majority of people that I've spoken with, I think the most successful people are the most humble. And I think that's a big trait because I think when you're not humble, I think you can let the success get to your head a bit. Um, and then ultimately, you're going to drop those habits uh, that got you to that point. 
So I think having humility is big. And then I think just the standard habits, you know, for me, I exercise daily. I drink a gallon of water a day. I take, you know, different vitamins and supplements. I read every day um, or read articles. It's either a book or an article, something that that's getting me to learn. Um, and the reason being is because your body and mind are tools for you to create success. Again, success and wealth are created by you. And those things are created by yourself. So you need to make sure to keep your body and mind uh, at the highest caliber possible. And I think what separates, you know, the let's just call it uh, 10 million and under millionaires versus 10 million to 100 millionaire plus, I think something that really separates those folks, and I've met multiple of those individuals, is just their desire and obsession with learning. Um, You know, there was a uh, podcast the other day that I listened to with Jesse Itzler as a guest and the guy hosting it was like, and Jesse Itzler is worth a billion dollars. And the guy hosting it was like, dude, I saw you at my conference. You were front row taking pages and pages of notes and Jesse Itzler is worth a billion dollars. And he's still like sitting at this conference taking notes when he could easily be taking years off and just sitting on a beach somewhere. So I think the main habit is just that obsession with, always wanted to learn and master your craft, whether it's sales, engineering. I know there's a lot of salespeople here. So sales, engineering, marketing, business, it's that kind of differentiator of I'm going to become an expert at whatever I'm doing. Man, and I love where you're going with that because the truth be told, as, as we get more successful, what you just said resonates. Small, small fun story. I have a a good colleague of mine who is a real estate professional, right? Newer real estate professional made a transition, but uh, she got into a, a real estate brokerage firm where the most successful um, agents weren't willing to help or willing, willing to spend time. And I would, I would ask her like, how much time are you spending? Like going to their offices, calling them, sitting down, like willing to learn. And she was, and she just wasn't in the relationship. So, you know, we, we had a heart to heart. She ended up founding another brokerage firm where she moved places found people that were significantly more successful. And she was, oh my goodness, everybody here is always learning, always wanting to help. And it goes to what you just said. I don't know, Jesse, uh, personally, but I know some incredibly successful, wealthy, millionaire and billionaire people. And they are the most humble people, but they are the most, like, they are students, like lifelong students. And that is, man, that is definitely a next level, next level habit. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Chris, how does the Catapulting Commissions family find you? If they want to follow you on social media, they want to get connected with you, where should I send these folks to? Yeah, man, LinkedIn is probably the best way. I post there three to four times a week. I'm very, very consistent with my posting. So it's just Chris Chapman on LinkedIn. Um, you know, Instagram's easy to find too, but I want to stick to LinkedIn because I'm not as consistent as I should be posting on Instagram. Um, so LinkedIn's the best spot. And then of course the podcast is just next level minds. It's on, you know, Google podcast, Apple, Spotify, kind of the whole nine yard, nine yards there as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the catapulting commissions family. You will find the links to Chris's LinkedIn profile. Also to the podcast, next level minds in the show notes below. Do me a favor. Google get connected with Chris. If you find some value with, from today's show, reach out to him. Let me know, reach out to me and let me know, Chris, I wish nothing but abundant success this upcoming year, man. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. I had a blast being a guest on Anthony Garcia's podcast, Catapulting Commissions. Thank you again for tuning in, and I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.